about you, but life's a funny thing, isn't it? Anyone's life a bit complicated? Give me a wave. Yeah? Anyone's life got concerns and things going on? Yeah? Anyone trying to work it all out? Yeah, that's everyone. <laughs> so where do we go? Where do we go when we've got concerns? Where do we go when we're confused? Where do we go when things get tough? I don't know about you and I don't know where you're at in your journey. The fact that you're here today says you either believe in God, you've committed your life to God, or you've got questions and are wondering, maybe God can help me with my concerns and with my life. So hopefully this will help this morning because I believe, and from past experience, just like that song said, my hindsight tells me that the only place to go when life gets complicated, when I have concerns, when I'm trying to work it all out, is back to basics. And that's what I've called this message this morning, back to basics. And for me, the basics are Jesus Christ. And that's where I want to take you this morning. Now, whether you've known Jesus for a long time and you've walked with him, or whether you're still wondering, I'm not quite sure about this Christianity thing, but I, I, explain it to me. I want to know some more. I want to encourage you that this morning, the only place to go is to Jesus Christ. If your life starts and ends with Jesus, if everything you do starts and ends with Jesus, it will be life-changing. And I know it is, because my life has been changed. Is there other people in here who's like, give me a show of hands if God has changed your life. So if you're sitting in here wondering, it's not just me, it's all those people waving the sweaty arms in the air. They too know to go back to Jesus. But let's be honest, how often do we forget? Let's be honest, how much does your life start and end with Jesus? Your thoughts, how much do they start and end with Jesus? Your actions, how much do they start and end with Jesus? The words that you speak, how much do they start and end with Jesus? That's just enough, isn't it? Shall I get down? That's enough to think about for probably the rest of the year. How much do those things start and end with Jesus? And trying to put that in play in your life is no mean feat. It starts and ends with Jesus. So if we're going back to Jesus, I figured there's no better place to go back to what he taught us. And the disciples came to him and they said, how do we pray? How do we go back to basics? How do we get back to that place where we start and end our day, our lives, our thoughts, our actions, everything we do? How do we go back to that where you are at the center and back to those basics? And Matthew 6 tells us what Jesus' reply was. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Matthew 6, 9 to 13. Pray like this. This is what Jesus said. Our Father, dwelling in the heavenly realms, may the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. Is Jesus the center on which your life turns? Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth, just as it is fulfilled in heaven. We acknowledge you as our provider of all we need each day. 
Forgive us the wrongs we have done as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Rescue us every time we face tribulation and set us free from evil. For you are the king who rules with power and glory forever. Amen. Wow. Read it in a different version and the Lord's Prayer takes on a whole new meaning, a whole new revelation and challenges us to the core of how we bring Jesus back to the center on which our lives turn. So what's it all about then? Steffi said this morning, I'm preaching on prayer and authority. It's all about relationship. Relationship. That's what prayer's about. It's about talking to God. It's about relating to God. And it's all about the power that he brings to our lives. Through the authority that he has, that he has given to us. You know, when we hear people talk about this all the time. And I just thought, you know what? Let's go back to the beginning. If we're going back to basics, let's start at the beginning with relationship and power, prayer and authority, and find out what it's about, how it works, what it means for God, but what it means for us right now in your circumstances, in your situations. Are you ready? Genesis 1. Can't go any further back than that. Verse 28, and I'm reading from the Amplified. It says, Then God said, Let us... Father, Son, Holy Spirit, make man in our image. God is reproducing. We're going to keep hearing this word this morning. God is reproducing. He reproduces of himself. According to our likeness, not physical, but spiritually, personality and moral likeness. And let them have complete authority. Over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, the cattle, and over the entire earth, and over everything that creeps and crawls on the earth. So God, in the beginning, reproduced of himself and gave man and woman complete authority. And then Adam and Eve fell. What did they do? The relationship that they had was broken. The authority and power that they had was lost. And because they listened to the enemy, because they submitted themselves under him, something else was reproduced in their lives. Sin and death. Therefore, God sent Jesus. And Jesus came he was born a Mary. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. He rose again three days later and he ascended into heaven and he took back what the enemy had stolen and allowed again something to be reproduced. Jesus rearranged our destinies that day. And because he did, he can then produce again after his own. So in the beginning, God reproduces of himself. He makes man and woman in his image. The enemy comes and man submits to the enemy so that something else is reproduced. Then Jesus is like, oh, I'm not having this. 
So he comes, he takes on all the sin, all the mess, all the failure. He dies on the cross so that he can reproduce after himself again in your life. Does that make sense? Matthew 28. This is when Jesus is rose from the dead just before he ascends to heaven. Listen to what he says. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. You know, if you're having difficulties today and you're doubting, is God real? Can God do this? I'm not really quite sure. The disciples who stood before him and saw the risen Christ, some of them doubted. And then they went on to change the world. So for me, we're in good company. If you're doubting today, you're in good company. God still commissions you. God still says go. You can still change the world. That's exciting, isn't it? That was just an added extra. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority, hear it again, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go, wait for it, and make disciples. Jesus commissions them to reproduce. So God started in the beginning and reproduced of himself when he made man. The enemy came in and reproduced sin and death in our lives. Jesus came and reproduced of himself in us. And the disciples are told to go and reproduce. It's all about reproducing. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We're going to come back to that. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Connection was restored. Relationship and power now had ability again. Where sin and death had formed a barrier, it had been broken down. And there was a way back to God. There was a way. God can now say again, let us make man in the image of Jesus. And when you read through the New Testament, the amount of times it makes reference to making ourselves in the image of Jesus. Conform yourselves to the image of Christ. Be like Jesus. It's trying to teach us to reproduce Jesus in our lives, in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions. So we go back to that question I asked at the beginning. How much does your life start and end with Jesus? Here's another question for you. So why do we live at times feeling far from God and helpless to help ourselves and others? What's getting in the way? Why are we so entrenched in the lives, lies and schemes of the enemy? Let's look at Matthew 13 because I think it tells us what's going on in the field of life. And this is a story that Jesus told. And it says this. Here is another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven, life, and what God's trying to do here on earth is like a farmer, God, who planted good seed in his field. But the night... but. That night, as the workers slept, the enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat 
sounding familiar? God came and planted, reproduced after himself on earth. The enemy came and planted alongside it. Then the enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the father exclaimed. Should we pull the weeds, they asked. No, he replied, you'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort the weeds, tie them into bundles and burn them and to put the wheat in the barn. We live in a fallen world. There are times when the wheat in your life has to grow up alongside the things that the enemy has planted, either because of other people, things that are happening in your life, things that have happened in your past, things that are going on in this world that are beyond your control. There is an enemy who has planted and there is things that are not good in this world, possibly in your lives. So how do we come back to Jesus How do we focus our everything upon Jesus and allow the wheat to flourish in our lives and grow stronger than the weeds? I believe this is how we do it. And again, it's another question. What are you in agreement with? Adam and Eve surrendered surrendered their authority and they gave influence to the enemy to produce in their lives. What are you in agreement with? Are you in agreement like Adam and Eve were with the things that the enemy says? With his lies? With the things where he says, you're not good enough. You can't pray. Don't you bother with that relationship. No one's going to forgive you. Aren't you just ashamed of yourself for what you did? God will never love you. Those people at that church will never accept you if you tell them the truth. You can never do what you think you can do. You're not good enough. You won't achieve. What are you in agreement with? Are you in agreement with the lies of the enemy? Or are you in agreement with what God says and who God is? These are three things we can be in agreement with. First one is this. Be in agreement with God's authority. If God has complete authority, if he is creator... If he is all-powerful, if he is all-knowing, then why do we panic? And why do we worry? And why do we think, I can just do it myself, I'll sort it out myself. Instead of praying and going to God, why do we do it? Because we do, I do. Is it just me? I think we do it for two reasons, and there's probably more. One of them is this, we've had a bad experience with authority. So at some point in our lives, we've met somebody, and it doesn't matter who it is, and because of how we've been treated by them, we no longer want to submit ourselves to God and trust that what he does is right for us, even when we don't understand. So because we've had a bad experience of authority, we no longer want to say, God, I'll trust you. God, you're all powerful. God, I surrender my life to you. Instead, we try and hold on to everything ourselves and think, I can sort it out myself. If I have hold of it, no one else can hurt me ever again. But if we go back to basics, if we go back to relationship, 
If we pray and talk to God, then suddenly we realize God is good. God is a gentleman. God is faithful. God never leaves us or forsakes us. And God loves us. God does not want to abuse his trust, but he wants you to trust him. It's about surrendering to his will. It's about submitting to his authority. And it's about praying and agreeing with God that God, you know best, and I'll trust you in the good or the bad. I don't know about you. Some of you may have experienced this. When you go for surgery, the anesthetist will come and see you. And they'll come with this great big thing. And then they'll read off everything that can go wrong. Which is really encouraging when you're feeling anxious about it anyway. And then they say, can you just sign there? And I know why. It's so I don't sue them if I die. And it's so I don't sue them if my leg falls off or whatever they're doing to me. But it doesn't really instill much hope that this operation, that the consultant told me, it'll be fine, it's standard procedure, please don't worry, we do this every day. And then the anaesthetist comes, can't even say his name or her name, and says, well, this could go wrong and 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 this could go wrong. And that's like life, isn't it? You know, God says to us, trust me, believe in me. I won't leave you or forsake you. I'll never let you down. And then the enemy comes, sorry for those of you who need to in the room, the enemy comes and says, well, this could go wrong and God could do this and why didn't God do that and why didn't he sort that and why didn't he do this and why didn't he do this? Just sign there and agree with me. Yet God says, if you trust in his authority, no matter what happens, whether it goes right or wrong, then he is in control. He is in ultimate authority in your lives through the good and the bad. The other reason why we struggle with God's authority is this. We're offended with God because he doesn't answer our prayers. We say, God, please do this, and he doesn't. And we're like, I know best. Why haven't you done this? Why haven't you healed this person? Why haven't you set me free from this? Why am I still suffering with this? Why hasn't that person got saved? And I'm really cross with you actually about it, God. But we pretend we're not. So we live with this offense with God because he doesn't answer our prayers. And then we wonder why we struggle in our relationship with him. And we wonder why we don't operate in authority. Because we're living with offense. This morning, if you are offended with God, come on, let's be honest where we're at. Because if we're not, we're never going to move. If you're offended with God because he hasn't made your life work out in the way that you thought it would, he hasn't set that person free, you say you, your partner hasn't got saved, somebody didn't get healed, whatever it is, if you're offended with God, listen to the words of Bob Goff. God invites us to be part of his plan, not approve of them. If we trust God... And if we trust that he is king of kings and lord of lords, if we trust that he is good and that he is faithful, if we trust that his will and purposes are better than any of our ideas, then we have to trust him when things don't go to plan. We have to agree with him. We have to hope. We have to forgive him sometimes because we think we know best. We have to surrender control. It's part of the journey of relating. It's about relationship. It's about relationship with God and going deeper with him. 
So the first thing is we need to agree with God's authority. The second is this, and we've sang about it already this morning. Jesus' name. If Jesus' name is the name above all name, if Jesus' name, if at that name every knee will bow, if Jesus' name breaks every chain, then do we agree with it? Do we use his name when we pray? What names are you allowing to reproduce in your life? Are you allowing Jesus' name to reproduce in your life? Or are you allowing other names to reproduce in your life? Names like, I'm not good enough. Names like, I'm afraid. Names like unforgiveness, anxiety, poverty, sickness, frustration. When I was in year five at high school, no, in primary school, sorry, I sat in between two boys, as they often do, because they must think people behave better when you go boy, girl, boy, girl. And then they stopped doing that in high school for different reasons. But these two lovely boys who sat next to me took it upon themselves to call me Toad. Thanks. Still working through it. And that name came with me. Not because those boys did, but because I let it have influence over my life. I let it say to me, you're not as pretty as the rest of those girls. You're not as nice. You're not good enough. And it had such a detrimental impact upon my life to the point that when I was 16, my life fell apart. And I had to learn that Jesus' name was bigger than Toad, was bigger than anything else that the enemy wanted to put over me, and that Jesus' name was bigger and higher and said something different over my life, that said I was good enough, that said I was his daughter, that said I was beautiful, that said I was made in his image, that said he made me in my mother's womb and put me together. What are you submitting to? What names are you allowing over your life? The third thing I think we need to agree with is this. The Holy Spirit's leading. If the Holy Spirit is our helper and our comforter, if he wants to lead us in our relationship with God, and if he wants to lead us into power and authority, if he wants to help reproduce in us, the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, everything that God wants to give us to equip us for life and godliness, then we need to agree with his leading. That means we get in the back seat and let him drive. And how do we do that then? How do we make that work? For me, it's about the disciplines. And I said we'd come back to it. Matthew 28, Jesus says, obeying everything I have commanded. He asked the disciples to teach people to obey everything he'd commanded. So are you putting those disciplines in your life? Are you praying to help build relationship, trust? Are you taking communion together to remind yourself of what Jesus did on the cross, of the power in his blood, that there's resurrection life and victory? Are you reading your Bible so you get to know God more, so you learn more about this lifestyle and why it's important, so we entrench those things deep within us, so that Jesus is the center on which our lives turn? 
Are we in the discipline of giving of ourselves so that it no longer is just about me, but it's about somebody else, so that we're not overcome by the world, but we overcome the world by saying, actually, I trust God to be my provider. Do we continue to meet together so that we can support one another, so that we can encourage one another? We might not agree all the time, but are we standing in unity? Because in unity is where God commands the blessing. Are you keeping your Sabbath? What's one of them? It's like 24-7 everything. 24-7 shopping, 24-7 everything. I can't think of any other things while I'm just talking about it. But it's 24-7 everything. There is no stop. There is no take a moment. There is no listen. Alanis Morissette once sang. Sorry, she's very unchristian, but never mind. Well, she might be. Why are you so petrified of silence? She goes on, here, can you handle this? And then the song just goes silent. And it's like... I'm trying to listen to music to get rid of my anxiety so I'm not thinking about all the things that are going on in my life and you're making it silent. <laughs> How many of us refuse to take that time and sit in silence and deal with our demons that are trying to tell us the wrong things, that are trying to take us on a path that is not reproducing God in our lives. And because we just keep ourselves so busy because we can't cope anymore, we can't actually hear God when he's trying to speak, us, speak to us. And the Holy Spirit wants to lead you. And he wants to guide you. And he wants to bring healing to you. And he wants to say, shh, peace. Peace, be still. Try half an hour first. Then try an hour. Try five minutes if half an hour is hard work. But build it up. Try 30 seconds, whatever works. Those disciplines are the things that change our lives. Those disciplines are the things that bring authority to our prayer. You know, the disciples came back to Jesus once and they said, there's this guy and we just couldn't cast out what was going on in his life. And Jesus was like, that's because you're not fasting. Because we don't spend time. Because we don't have the authority. If you put those disciplines in your life, then God builds relationship and he builds power within you doesn't mean everything's perfect but it means God is working something deep Dallas Willard says this on disciplines they enable us more and more to live in a power that is strictly speaking beyond us deriving from the spiritual realm itself made in him his image restored back by Jesus' death on a cross so that again God can reproduce in us power and authority through his spirit, through Jesus' death that we've done nothing to deserve but he has bestowed upon us, reproduced in us by the spirit. It comes to this, the more we submit to God through our lifestyle, the choices that we make, the actions, the time, the energy, the finance, the more God is able to reproduce and the more authority we have that the things that are not good in our lives, those weeds that are growing up, the more we have that we can deal with them and they'll flee. James 4 verse 7 says this. 
Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. What are you in agreement with? Are you in agreement with the devil or are you in agreement with God? Are you in agreement with those lies or are you in agreement with the truth of God's word of what he says of you? Are you in agreement with all those things of your past, all those fears of your future or are you saying... I don't get it. I don't understand it, but I'm going to go back to basics. I'm going to go back to Jesus. I'm going to trust in him. If we submit to God, we submit to who he is and what he reproduces. Let him be that center on which our lives turn. Let him reproduce in you all that he is and all who he is. He is the creator, the healer, the restorer, the lover of your soul, your redeemer, your heart fixer. He is all powerful. He is circumstance changer. He is all knowing. He is burden bearer. He is the truth. He is a miracle worker. He is abundant provider. He is promise keeper. He is counselor. He is light of the world. He is way maker. He is the peace. He is the quipper. He is our faithful friend. And if we allow him to reproduce that within our lives, then it will be life-changing. All those things, all those things you thought would never change. Today, God is here working, reproducing in you faith to believe hope to see a different future love to hold you through the hardship all those things the enemy has held you under and grown up in your lives there is authority for freedom this morning from them all those of you who doubt just like the disciples God takes all our doubts and all our fears and says just bring them with you We'll just deal with them on the way. But come on, let's go. Come on, let's believe. Come on, let's go and take that good news that that there is relationship with God, that there is authority to conquer all the things that want to hold you down, that there is prayer and authority when we relate to him. I want to read to you from Ephesians 1, verses 17 to 23. And it's a prayer that Paul prays. It says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know me better. About relationship. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the, is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule and all authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invo- invoked, not only at the present age, but also in the one to come. You know, you may sit and say, well, Jesus didn't have all the things that are going on. There's authority for this age that we live in. 
And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. God wants to reproduce in your life to fullness, not just a little wheelie little bit, not just a little bit that works for you on a Sunday, not just a little bit when you're with your Christian friends. God wants his fullness to overflow you, to fill you completely, to overwhelm you. If the band would like to join me, that'd be great. If you're feeling empty and alone, know that we are his fullness. If you're feeling weak, know that we are his fullness. Go back to the basics and let God reproduce all he is in you. If you doubt, allow him to bring his fullness. When things get tough, allow him to bring his fullness. When you don't understand, allow him to bring his fullness. You know, some of you may know, my mum's been battling with cancer for the last probably four years. And, you know, they've said now that there's nothing more that they can do. And she, she slowly is deteriorating. And it's, it's a hard thing to watch. And it's a hard thing to talk about. But I felt that I needed to. And when I have to sit down with my 11-year-old and my 13-year-old, and they watch us say, God is good, God is amazing, God can change your life. But I have to sit with them and say, Nan, Nan's only got so long left to live. How does that marry? How does that work? And yet God through it and in it has been so good and has been so faithful. And what I'm trying to say to you is, you may have your thing like I have mine where you say, God, I just don't understand. God, I know you're a miracle-working God. God, I know that you're a healer. God, I know that you're a restorer. And yet I watch that not happening. Rick Warren talks about Job. And the book of Job, if you don't know it, is a book in the Bible. And it basically talks about this horrendous journey this bloke goes on where he just loses everything. And this is what Rick Warren says about him. He said, Job remained faithful, even though nothing made sense. His faith was strong in the midst of pain. In Job 13, verse 5, it says this, God may kill me, but still I will trust him. If you feel like God's killing you today, can I encourage you? Keep trusting him. Keep believing in him. Don't get offended with him. Don't say, why don't you move? Why don't you do this? But allow him to show you and teach you, relate to him through the journey. See the power that he brings to your life. Rick Warren continues, when you feel abandoned by God, yet continue to trust him, you worship in the deepest way. This morning, whether you've been offended whether you think life's fell apart, whether you feel like God has abandoned you in your hour of need, this morning I can say to you honestly and from a place of that myself that God is good, that God is faithful and that he wants to teach you so much on your journey and he wants to walk so closely with you on your journey and he wants to hold your hand and he wants to give you power to go on and to continue. This morning... We're going to worship. 
And I believe God wants to come and minister to you in his intimacy. He wants to come and bring power to your life to help deal with the things that the enemy has a hold of you with. And he wants to take you back to those basics so that you can meet him there. It's about desire. It's about agreement.